Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming back to listen to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. This week, I have with us Cliff Dannis. He is one of our Weld.com advisors. He is from Michigan. You recently saw him in one of our videos. We have a lot of exciting stuff coming up with Cliff. And Cliff, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, just who you are, and what you're up to now in your career. Yeah, guys. Um, my name's Cliff, Cliff Dennis. I am an instructor currently um, residing in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I live outside of Escanaba, uh, keep teaching K through 12 education on a full-time basis. I'm a high school welding instructor, and um, I do some adjunct teaching for a local community college. Um, yeah, that, that's what I'm up to nowadays. So how long have you been a welder and like what else have you done prior to being a teacher? Okay, so I started welding basically in high school. Um, I, I started to get out into the workforce, working summer jobs a little bit. Uh, forestry is a huge part of, of working in Michigan if you're from a rural area. And, and I saw welding, I was first exposed to welding in that, in that aspect. And I got curious about it pretty quick. So they offered high school welding classes in high school. I, I took them. And that's basically when I started welding. I, I, I wasn't doing it at a super young age. I didn't have uh, an uncle or a father that were big, heavy industrial welders. So I got to see it from an outside perspective and, and got interested in it from that direction, I, I would say. So what was your first job that you got? Like aside from your summer jobs, like did you eventually, like how old were you when you got your first like full-time welding job? First full-time welding job. Um, first full-time welding job was basically um, Boilermakers 169. When I, when I went to college, um, I went through a diesel technician program for commercial and agricultural um, diesel technician. And through that course, they required welding classes. Well, during those welding classes, my, uh, my instructor picked up that I was pretty good pretty quick. And um, he, he pulled some strings and got me certified. Um, out of college, I applied to a couple places um, with a couple heavy wall 6G pipe certifications. Um, 169 nabbed me up pretty quick. And uh, I was, bam, I was really thrown right into the heart of a really critical, crucial industry. And uh, yeah, I held that employment for a couple of years and uh, it was a whirlwind. It was nuts. So when you were younger, did you always want to be a welder or what did, what was like your other thing that you wanted to be prior to like being exposed to welding? Did you have any other ambition prior to that? Um, I was always a really mechanical guy. I, I, I worked on farms. I was around farming, um, old tractors, old tractor clubs. B believe it or not, I was really set on being a gearhead. I, I wanted a wrench. I love wrenching. I love taking stuff apart and putting it back together. And, and that was kind of my, my first goal. Um, that was the direction I thought I was going through, through high school, like I touched base earlier. I saw the need for welding. Um, I got interested in welding and 
during my post-secondary education, I decided to get some weld certified. Um, it wasn't until after the fact that I realized that, hey, th this isn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, I got a genuine talent for this. I had some really, really awesome instructors. And I I'd say that passion kind of came after the fact. No, I, I originally went to school and originally wanted to be a, a diesel mechanic and, and turn wrenches. That's interesting. Yeah. So speaking about that, so say like our weld.com community is full of a ton of different people at all different points of their life. We have like those people in high school who are not sure what they want to do and say that somebody mentions welding to them and you being a teacher. So from a teacher's perspective, what's something that like you would say to somebody like to prepare themselves like for what to expect whenever they're starting um, welding class? What to expect when you start welding class? Yeah. Well, I, I would tell most people to go in to welding in let's say a high school welding class without a lot of expectations, believe it or not, because there are a lot of preconceived um, stereotypes, stigmatisms that I think get broken really quick when people actually start trying it out for the first time. Um, women in this industry, that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, if I got a girl that comes into class, you know, she's apprehensive about the whole thing sees a lot of guys doing it. She tries it. She's instantly good at it. And, and bam, she didn't realize that that was necessarily uh, going to happen. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's contradictory. Again, this is my personal opinion, but I would, I would lower your expectations. I would, I would kind of open your mind to it. A lot of people see sparks, they see the fire, they see the leather, they, they get scared of it. And, and they try it and they realize it isn't half as bad as they thought it was. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, expect to, uh, expect to be surprised. Maybe I'll put it that way. I don't think it's going to be as hard as you think it is. And I think it's pretty fun. A lot of people just look at it from uh, the perspective of this is a tool I need to get paid. No, I mean, obviously you can get a, a decent wage if you're a good welder. But it, it's cool to do. It's fun to do. You're, you're melting steel. You're melting iron. You're getting paid daily to play with fire. So I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, lowering your expectations and uh, trying it out and trying to kick some of those um, stigmatisms out of your mind is a good thing. Yeah, I think it's a recurrent theme pretty much with everybody that I've talked to that once you learn how to weld, it's something that nobody can take away from you. And once you have like those fabrication skills that come along with being a welder and fitting things up, I mean, think about how much easier it is to build things. Or if you have an idea for something and it doesn't exist, you can literally go build it. Like, I think that that's empowering and you're so right about the, the girl thing. Like the, I'm so over the whole even in high school, like people that were in like the Votech program, like people like had this stigma, like they would say like that they weren't so smart or like that's why they were there is that they weren't going to go to college. And ironically enough, those people went to Votech, were able to get starter, like entry level jobs and have no college debt. And like they're already starting, you know, building houses, buying houses, starting families. 
without the debt of like those big university tuitions. So oh, I mean, absolutely. it's just a decision. I mean, everybody, there there are plenty of schools, like their Votech schools or two-year programs or less than that. And then of course there are the four-year universities that you can even get welding degrees, but we're not bashing any different program. But I mean, I just think that it's funny, like looking back on it, how people did act in high school. Like they would, they did stereotype them, like that they were a different, you know, type of person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, out of my short college career, I only went to school for two years. Um, you know, I had a little bit of debt, but easily with a, with a two-year degree, you know, I started making money hands over fist mm -hmm. compared to some of the people I knew that were completed a four-year degree or were even going on to a master's program, you oh, know, yeah. you inter interning for nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. You go so, for a psychology degree and then that's all fine and good and you get a 4.0 and good for you. And it's like, now what do you want to do? What kind of job are you going to get? Like that's, I talk about that with my daughters all the time. We have our oldest daughter right now. She's going to um, Penn state and she's doing bio behavioral health and she's not sure what she wants to do. Cause she was first thinking she wanted to do like pre-med and she maybe wanted to be a doctor and now she's saying psychology and I'm like, but what do you want to do? Like what, what's your job going to be? And it just like, it, it stuns her. Like she doesn't know how to answer it. And I'm like, you got to stop thinking that these kids think like when you're in high school, high school is your life. When you're in college, college is your life. But at some point you're going to have the real world come up and it's going to be like, Hey, you have bills now. Like you need, you got to pay right. student loans. When you're done with school, your tuition bills start coming. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, even what I was talking about earlier, I mean, going into my college career, I thought I had my mind made up and, and I didn't. And, yeah. you know, it, it turned out awesome. It was the, the best decision I ever made changing my decision, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. I would, I would, yeah, absolutely. If you think you want to do it, try it. So I got to do, try it. So career changes, let's talk about that. So now let's sure. talk about somebody who may be um, middle-aged or whatever age, and they're just maybe unhappy with what they're doing. They're maybe not making enough money. Maybe they feel like they need to have something better to support their families or they just want something that's going to be more satisfying because it is satisfying to build something with your own hands. What kind of um, advice could you give to somebody who is a middle-aged adult who's thinking about going back to school and like what that would be for them? You know what I mean? In comparison to somebody like younger. Right. So the stereotype that you can't teach an old dog new tricks doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, that, that's just false information. If you think you missed an opportunity, if you think it's too late for me, it's, it's really not. Um, I, I adjunct teach for a community college. So I get people right out of high school. I get people who are doing just that. They're in a, in a mid life, mid stage um, area and, and they, they want to switch it up. And I get people coming into my program who are uh, retired that just want to occupy themselves in their garage. I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. If you like working with your hands, if you've ever been mechanically inclined, if you've ever enjoyed building things, welding is just a super cool tool to have in your tool belt to just 
allow you to do even more. I mean, everyone, you know, knows a carpenter who can take a, a hammer and, and pound a nail and do a two by four. And that's a great way to build things. Um, it's awesome. I, I love working with wood, but metal, I mean, it just opens up an entirely new avenue for you. And uh, it's, it's not as hard to grasp as I think people think it is. I say that a lot, but I, I mean it. Um, yeah. I would, I would suggest that you do it. You're not getting any younger. You're um, not getting any younger. That's what I was going to say. Listen, yeah. you're going to be one day, you're going to be 50, no matter what time is not slowing down for anybody. So you can either yeah. make change and find something that you're good at that you like and be 50, or you can be 50 doing the same exact thing, regretting right. it. And you could still take it on when you're 50. I really feel like people, they say that the average person, I actually looked this up before, does make a major career change twice in their life. It's an average thing. There aren't many people who do the same exact thing their whole entire lifespan. Right. So it's pretty interesting. So here's a question. This is one off topic, but since we were on the topic of building stuff with your hands and being a fabricator, are you the type of guy, say that you just bought a grill, Right. You get you get it, you unbox it, you have everything sitting there. <clears throat> I more or less want to know this just because a guy versus a girl thing. Do yep. you get the instructions and do you check and make sure you have every single piece? And then do you follow the directions step by step or do you kind of just put it together? <laughs> Oof, now you're getting real, <laughs> real technical here. Um, man, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. If I'm out of my wheelhouse... <laughs> I'll, I'll try to follow the instructions, but nine times out of 10, I'm reading through the instructions and I'm going, why did they do this? I don't yeah. know why they did this. This should be this way. And then the instructions go out the window and I normally tweak it or change it. So um, I'm normally running down to the hardware store, grabbing metal or grabbing more screws or bolts or whatever. And I'm, I'm tweaking it in one way, shape or form. And I can't tell if that's a curse or a blessing. That's but, yeah, I find I find myself doing that a lot. My husband does that and it drives me insane. He literally will yeah. not read the instructions. We got um IKEA furniture before and he tried doing that with that and I was like, You cannot do that with IKEA furniture. I mean I've I've built them to the T and I followed every direction and it, it's yeah, I just always find things that I would have changed and it's and it's hard not to wanna change it. For the yeah. better, it's a, you know what I mean. I just I always find doing it. Whenever I put something together, it's wobbly. It's cheap. Yeah, I don't exactly. like that. Yeah. So what about this week's presenting sponsor is Como Caps. They're a family-owned business based in Louisiana, and they're well known for their welders caps. They take a lot of pride in inspecting every cap twice before it ships from their facility, and they also do a lot of market research to create new designs to include in their assorted bundles. Our hosts so far have loved the fit and the style, and right now we actually have an exclusive coupon code for you to use at checkout. If you go to www.comocaps, it's C-O-M-E-A-U-X caps.com and use our code weld10 at checkout you'll save 10% another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, hobbyist. So say like we have a lot of people that ask on the forum or they inbox us and say that they're looking for what kind of welder should I start off with? And I always tell them to go back on the forum and ask that question to get advice from like many people. But what kind of advice can you give to those people who are like more like the weekend warriors? Like they just want to do it on the side. They just want to build stuff for themselves or um, just little projects. Maybe they have a car and they want to try and do some body work on it themselves and like rebuild something. What are like some things that like you could um, share to help those kind of people? Um, what, what helped me in the beginning? Well, I, I always thought I had to have the biggest and the best of everything. And you really, you really don't. And I think there's a push for that in the welding industry. You got to have that $600 auto darkening, spectacular welding hood. You got to have that 25 process welding machine. That's going to do everything you could ever want and dream of. And that's, that's really not necessary. Uh, that, that old tombstone Lincoln AC welder running down to the hardware store and grabbing some simples, you know, 70, 14, 60, 13, um, that old straight shade hood in the corner of your grandpa's garage that's been there for 40 years. I mean, that stuff works and that's, what's going to get you welding today versus mm-hmm. waiting a year, trying to finance, trying to build, save money up nickel and dime this year, nickel and dime that there, get in and start doing it. Um, You don't have to have the best of everything. And sometimes that's hard to to accept and swallow, but hey, um, get in and start doing it. You you really need to look at the situation, look at your goal, look what you're trying to build and accomplish, and what's the best way to get that done within the time frame you want it done. And Nine times out of 10, I think that's the better way of looking at it. Right. Yeah, I agree. So what's the most important lesson that you've learned throughout your career personally? Don't cut the corners. Okay. I've, I've, I've cut corners before. Everyone thinks that it's going to help them, and it doesn't. Um, you might get done a little sooner than someone else. You might, you might, you know finish quicker or get the the job done under budget but nine times out of ten I I feel like that always caught up to me when I was a kid and I'm not saying I, I I'm perfect and I never do anything that I shouldn't do but really slowing down and doing things the correct way the first time is gonna save you in the long run tenfold versus going back redoing it you know, you sent it out to a customer and it broke because you, you tried to do this a, a cheaper way. Yeah, definitely, definitely just slow down and do it the best of your ability. At, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to quality. And if you can beat the next guy out and build a better product, I think that, I think that's a better deal. Absolutely. So we also were talking earlier about, um, 
like recognizing a need for something like in your specific area. So you were talking about that there's really not that many like inspection companies up there. And you were talking a little bit about that. Share about that so that maybe somebody like in another area, if they like, say that somebody opens up a mobile repair company and they're like a ton of mobile repair companies and they're wondering like, what else could I do in the welding industry? Help to like, open up their minds to other like services that they could provide to like the welding industry or like how to find those needs like in their areas. Absolutely. So I think people get tunnel vision pretty easily. Um, people want to weld, they want the welding job and they're going to weld and welding is great. High five. Good job. But I think welding can be just a small piece of the puzzle. Um, for me, putting in the industry time to gain the experience was kind of a stepping stone. So what I am now is I'm a welding educator. Um, started off as a welder, just like everyone else. Uh, got good at it, like most everyone does. And I realized that I had a knack for, for showing people and being able to relate something in a, in a simple way. And bam, I moved into welding education. Part of welding education and part of industry is weld inspection. You've clearly got to look at a weld and know if it's structurally competent, to know if it's strong enough, to know if it's built correctly. Um, you know, that's a whole nother av avenue of welding that started, you know, with me down in the trenches welding. I think... Um, you know, that big picture sometimes is, is hard to see. Uh, opening your, your own company, starting your own inspection service, um, doing some fabrication work on the side. I don't think welding at all times should be the only thing that you ever want to do. And let welding be a tool in a, in a bigger toolbox to allow you to do more things. And that's kind of what I started up here where, where I'm at. I live in a really rural area. There's not a lot up here in upper Michigan. I'm in the upper peninsula. Um, there's only three Walmarts in the entire UP. So <laughs> if that shows you some perspective of where I'm at. And I saw the need for weld inspection. Now there are fabrication shops around. There, there is industry around. You just kind of got to look a little harder to find it. And because we're so off the grid a little bit, um, you know, there are opportunities there if you choose to find them. So that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do right now. I started in the trenches. Um, I got my experience. I got my certifications. I went into education. I'm helping people learn how to weld. And in the middle and in the midst of that, I got my CWI endorsement through the American Welding Society. And uh, I'm out there inspecting welds and you know, the, the pace scale is going up. And I think everyone would like that too. So yeah, find a need, see it, try it out. For sure. People ask us, well, not like everybody, but occasionally we'll get people that will inbox us and say, how do I go about becoming a CWI? So they would go through the AWS, right? Yeah. So there, there's a couple different ways you can become a CWI. There, there are CWIs to most of your major welding codes out of there, ASME, mm -hmm. API, 
AWS. And they basically certify you to the QC1 standard, which is a universal standard that allows you to, to visually inspect, to destructively inspect, to test a weld, to determine if it's structurally competent or incompetent or meets the requirements or doesn't meet the requirements. Um, yeah, being, being a welder was a big part of that, you know, versus a welding engineer. And I'm not saying all welding engineers don't know how to weld, but if I'm going to be stereotypical here, if a kid goes to school for four years or eight years and gets a, a big degree in uh, a, an engineering degree, um, he had to go to school to learn that versus being in the field, learning that weld terminology and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. That's all a part of your job. If you're trying to do a good job, if you're trying to make quality weld, which by God, I hope you are, um, you're already, you're, you're teaching yourself along the way as you go. I mean, you've got a quality control manager who's looking at your stuff. You've got the old guy in the corner who's the oldest, best welder in the shop. He's looking at your stuff every day going, hey, this, this isn't going to fly or, hey, that looks really good. Well, why does it look good? What makes it acceptable? Why is it, why is it you know, good? what are the technicalities behind it and uh yeah i think a weld inspection is a is a great transition i think most welders should try to make i mean why not yeah to just add to your toolbox basically yeah repertoire i don't know if that's the right yeah. word to use yeah it is it's still the same thing to mm -hmm. add to the skill set so that if you are in between jobs, you can always find work doing something, you know, then you're just giving yourself another option to be employed by whatever it is that you can do. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so in your opinion, what is the most underrated tool that a welder could use? Um, man. So physical tools. Yes. What's the most underrated physical tool yeah. a welder has in their bucket? Yeah. Man, I could go into a lot of them. Chipping hammers, <laughs> wire brushes. <laughs> uh, you know, at the end of the day, it falls back on to your integrity. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everyone could have the best tool in their bucket. Everyone could have the latest and greatest. Everyone could have the coolest, best welding helmet. Everyone could have the best filler rod. Everyone could have the best welding machine. And, and according to that manual, it's going to make you the best welder. No, that, that doesn't make you the best welder. What makes you the best welder is showing up to the job and being capable and prepared to do the work. I, I think that's the best tool in someone's toolbox is their attitude. Um, I teach high school kids. I, I get attitude hourly. <laughs> I mean, not daily. No, I get attitude every 20 minutes. Yeah. And I hear a lot of, well, I didn't get that tool out. Why should I have to put it back? I don't have to sweep that booth. I didn't make it. I didn't get it dirty. Well, sure, someone else might have did it, and now it's your problem. But at the end of the day, you're not being – a team player there yeah. you're not you're not building yourself up coming from a management perspective because i've been on both sides of it i've been the new guy on the job job and i've been the guy running the job mm -hmm. i made that transition through industry you know 
you don't have to be the best welder to be the best guy on the job. The guy that I can turn to and ask him to do something and he does it and he does it to the best of his ability, man, that's a guy that I want. Yeah, you might have a golden arm. Sweet. That's going to get you far. Don't get me wrong. But if if you're not going to get dirty and just do the jobs that not everyone wants to do, well, then you're not necessarily the guy that everyone's going to turn to. So where does that leave you at the end of the day? Well, if you need to make a pretty weld, well, we'll call Tim in. Tim's got a golden arm. He'll make a pretty weld. But he's going to make that pretty weld, and he's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Who knows where he's going to be? He's going to leave all his tools out. He's, he's not going to cross all his T's and dot his I's, and he's just going to be in and out. Well, am I going to call Tim every day? Probably not. Am I going to call the other guy that's going to get get up and 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 finish what Tim didn't? You know, that's I think that's pretty pretty critical. And again, I'm not trying to sound all high and mighty here because I've I've been the kid on the job who tried that. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to get in and out as quick as I could, and through trial and error, realizing that hey, that's just not how it's that's just not the best way to do it. You know, people learn the hard way, people learn the easy way. Hopefully I can, I can help you. But I think the best tool on the job, hands down, is your attitude. Yeah, I believe in that. Good answer. Trick question, good answer. So whenever we we found you, we brought you on as an advisor to the team um, to help out, you know, if people send us questions so that, you know, we have a reliable team of advisors and then you started making some content for us so what I wanted to say to everybody on this podcast and then you can also you know say something too about like using the forum so if you go to our website we launched it just a couple months ago we um, redid the website and you can still go to www.weld.com and if you go to backslash forum f-o-r-u-m you can um, make, it'll prompt you to like sign in so you can make your weld.com profile and then you guys can go on there and you can actually post pictures or, you know, if you're having problems doing something, if your settings like, you know, you just can't figure out what's going on, you can post a picture and you can write a question and everybody will chime in and help you out. Our advisors are on there all the time. They reply. And also if you guys listening if you guys feel like you have something to provide to the community as well, you can go on there and you can chime in and you can help each other out. And um, we would really appreciate that. And I'm going to be making a new post on the forum that's going to say just um, video ideas. And if you guys have um, an idea for a video that hasn't been done, like something you haven't seen anywhere else, or maybe some kind of welding video that you would like to see it a little bit more extensively or some kind of other industry that we haven't really touched on. We're trying to diversify the content that we provide to you guys. So if you want to go to the website, you can comment on there with some video ideas that you guys might have. And um, right, Cliff, you're on, you're on there. Sometimes we say, Cliff, can you go answer this? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying. You you bet. I'm I'm trying. Um, Yeah. Post, post a question, post a picture, yeah. and, and we'll, we'll try to get back with you. Uh, we've got a team. I've got guys that I work with right on 
weld.com with weld.com. Um, you know, we're, we're here to help each other out. Yeah. Everyone, everyone starts off at a different level. Some people start off at the bottom. Some people start off on top. You know, it's, it's irrelevant. You know, we're all here to try to help. We're all here to try to help you get better. And that's the goal here. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're here. So how do you cliff hope to impact the weld.com community? Like when you came on board with us and you know, we had that initial call and then like you talked to Vess and I, like, what are you hoping to be able to give back to the community by working with us? You know, some, some realistic, straightforward information, um, relatable information. I, I wish I had more of that when I was coming up through. Um, I'm not trying to sound super old, and I'm not super old. No, you're but not. The, the YouTube boom and the big how-to boom, it really wasn't there when I was in welding school, you know, 12, 14 years ago. It was it was new. It was starting, but it really hadn't just exploded yet. And hopefully my, my perspective can help you in some way. So I went through industry. I didn't set out in life to be a welding teacher. Um, I, I went through the same channels that I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers are going through. And having that firsthand experience, um, I think could be beneficial because, man, I had a lot of arrogant people at times in, in my career that just wouldn't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. You know, knowledge is power is true. Yeah, don't get me wrong. That's That's a valid point, but share the knowledge, help everyone out. Um, that, that, that's kind of my goal here. If I can help someone out, make money, um, put food on the table, um, buy the house they didn't think they could afford or, or buy the tools to start up the company. You know, I think, I think that would just be awesome. One thing that really bothers me about what you just said is think about how many places are understaffed and that's Mm -hmm. like one of the main things that people complain about is how understaffed they are or that they're tired and they they can't get help and stuff like that so if you have somebody new come into your facility and they're starting out shouldn't you want to help that person to be like the best they can be and teach them so that they want to stick around i the, the thing that bothers me is that the people that are like, just like nasty, like territorial, or, you know, that they have that culture where they have to like, you know, not necessarily like haze or bully anybody, but I mean, you know, they give them a hard time when they're first starting out. Like if you really need people and there's such a like shortage of welders and stuff like that, like be a little bit more accepting, you know, like be nice. Like it's not that hard. (laughs) There's a huge double standard there. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a point to where you've got to push a guy a little bit just to see if he can physically handle it, mm-hmm. just to see if he can hack it. And there's that, you know, introductory stage where you've got to push and poke a little just to see if the guy is going to be worth your while. But at the same time, I've been on a job. I've had a journeyman over my shoulder watching me. The guy sat there and will watch you do something wrong all day just so he can go back to the supervisor and say, Hey, Cliff did this wrong all day. Well, why didn't you, why didn't you stop me when I started and explain to me why I was doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. So I could have done it right. Instead of watching me, you know, weld for 10, 12 hours, knowing that, you know, 
I don't, I'm, I'm just throwing an example out there. It just doesn't make sense why somebody would watch you do something wrong, damn well knowing it's wrong, when he could have told you how to do it right from the first place. That used to chat me pretty bad a lot. And, yes. and, I, and I think that was kind of the, the whole process of, you know, if, if you do it, you make a mistake the second time around, you'll know why you made the mistake. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, I get it. But, you know, I, I think sharing information is, is always the right thing to do. That's one of Jeff's favorite sayings. We do it right because we do it twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't get me wrong. That. It's great. <laughs> Trust me, I learn real quick when I mess up. But if somebody's watching you mess up. Then it's mean, kind of their fault too. Come on. Come yeah. on. Come on. So up in your area, what kind of um, welding is like around you? Like what industry segments, I guess, so to speak? Like what do you have like by you? Like what kind of companies and Oh, we got a lot of natural resources in the Upper Peninsula. We got forestry. That's huge. Um, We got um, minerals up here. We got copper. We got iron mines. We got a lot of that. We got stone. We got quarries. Um, And that's kind of a lot of that rural business. Paper mills. There's a lot of paper mills up here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would say that's our forte. Up, up around us I've worked downstate a lot and I've been a lot around heavy manufacturing there's manufacturing up here when you get into some of the more populated areas but in and it's just not everywhere um yeah I would say that's our bread and butter the mines kind of welding involved with forestry well it's kind of like any any repairman um you're out in the field you're you're in a dirty scenario you just mentioned to me before we started up this podcast that I was kind of a shielded metal arc stick welding guy mm-hmm. well it, that's just what works when everything else doesn't and that's I think shines through a lot of the time up here you know if you're outside and it's February and it's 20 degrees below zero outside and or it's in the summer and it's raining and you're down at the bottom of a pit mine I mean there's just one process that's going to work no matter what. And that's shielded metal arc welding. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, there's a lot of that up here. If you're in the field, you're making a field repair. You've got a, a stick machine on your truck. You know, that's what's going to work without a doubt. If you're down in a, a hole and it's dirty and filthy and there's water around or mud or grime and dirt and grease, that that's what's going to be most beneficial. If, you know, I, I think that's probably the most universal process that I see going on up here for most repairs. Most repairs are done on site. They're not done in a fab shop. They're not done in a, in a pretty fabrication building. You know, they're done on site in the trenches and the dirt. And uh, that, that's what, that's what we use a lot. Nice. That's, I always find that interesting to hear from each person because I mean, Dale is like in that Virginia area, Europe and Michigan. Um, Bob Higg is down in Florida. Um, there's just everybody that we talk to. I like to hear about what the industries are because like um, I talked to this one guy, his name's Brian. Wasn't it your friend, Brian Tree? I think it was Dale's friend, Brian. He's at Newport News Shipyard and I'm going to have him on the podcast in a couple of weeks. And it's just so different, the perspectives, you know, like I know like 
you know, we were even talking about this, bring why we wanted to have several different advisors to weld.com is because instructors even have different opinions. And depending on what, like what kind of work somebody does, if somebody is doing mostly like refinery work, then like we have an advisor that does, has done a lot of refinery work and they're probably going to be a better fit to answer that question for that person. But if somebody was coming, you know, and asking a question that is your thing, then like you would be the person to answer. So that's kind of what we're trying to do as far as having a, a wider variety of um, people. So I do want to mention this as well, that we are kind of doing um, a thing where if anyone is interested in listening to the podcast, if you guys are interested in becoming a content creator for weld.com, there is an opportunity for you to earn cash for content. So basically, um, if you think that you have some kind of educational value that, you know, you could film yourself welding and that you would have something that would be of interest to the community, you can send us an email. You can send it to me. My email is jessicam at weld.com. And so as a weld.com creator, like you'll be able to maybe get a collaboration opportunity with some of the partners that we have, like the companies that we work with. You can be a guest on our podcast. You can share your story. You can promote your business or your company. Um, you would obviously get exposure to your personal pages and accounts like through social media, because obviously we would tag you. And also we offer um, small business support. Like we talk to people who work with us about, you know, just growing their business and like social media and how to utilize that since that's what we do. So if you are wondering how to get accepted as a weld.com creator, definitely reach out to me because we are interested in having a very wide variety of people and skill sets. So Cliff, do you want to tell them where they can find you? You hang out on Instagram when you're not on the forum. Yeah, I'm on the old Insta. Yeah, you bet. We're Cliff Dennis. Um, pretty, pretty easy to find me. Pretty straightforward. I don't think there's a lot of Cliff Dennis's out there. Um, you literally got exactly your name. It's just at Cliff Dennis altogether. One word. I love it. Beautiful. It's really easy. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And until next time, guys, um, let's go weld it out. Weld it out. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.